What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Campus to Caching, the Campus to Canton DFS show that is debuting this very instant. Ethan Sowers and myself, along with potentially some other guests from the C2C team or others in the industry, hopping on to talk prize picks uh, and DraftKings DFS main slates weekly. So have Ethan on here, obviously. Uh, we've kind of chatted about how crazy things are. Uh, you know, but how's, how's week zero treating you here to kick off? Dude, I am giddy. It's the most wonderful time of the year for sure. It's, uh, you know, great fall weather of, uh, 111 degrees here in Texas, but, uh, we're, we're going to get there and week zero means that all of those things are incoming. So I'm, I'm so pumped. Nice. Yeah. My wife was in Dallas and she said it was just miserably hot. And so, I don't envy you, but uh, yeah, excited for everybody to come along with this show. We are recording a little bit earlier in the week because it's week zero and things are just hectic, trying to pump it out and get it to you guys. Future weeks, we are looking at a Friday morning drop, so everybody kind of a nice mix of getting props in and later in the week for information on injuries and other news that may come to be. Um, this week, we will be discussing each of the week zero games, including the two non-DraftKings slated ones. We figure maybe Notre Dame will be a showdown and maybe there's a super degenerate UTEP showdown as well. Uh, but in future weeks, we will talk prize picks as well as the main slate for DraftKings and just kind of touching on positional positional options rather than game by game. <laughs> when these slates get 12 to 15 games, we'd be here like twice as long as a Jared show. But speaking of Jared, Jason the Natty is, is our CFF show here. Got a ton of different options on C2C at, at Campus to Canton. If you're looking for Debbie, C2C, CFF content, there's stuff coming out every single day, whether it's CFB or NFL related. The, the team's got everybody well-rounded, well-covered. So make sure you check that out. Subscribe and like and do all that fun stuff. If, if you can't tell, I'm a big promo guy. I don't have you anything love the spiel. Yeah. I love the spiel, you know? So <laughs> if you've skipped to this point, skip another 30 seconds before we break into it, but no, I think, I think this slate, uh, I, I think let's just go generally speaking, what is kind of like the most interesting or most exciting part of week zero, besides the fact that we get real college football, you know, it always poses like this interesting uh, experience because we have so long to ruminate on the prices and, you know, attack it from different angles that it gets a little stale. Like I've, I've been sitting with this slate longer than I sit with most slates in season already. And we're still, you know, four or five days out. And I'm sure my thoughts today are not going to be my final thoughts, but you know, I've got a pretty good feeling on where the value lies and what kind of a construction that I'm going to be looking at. Um, but just in general, I mean, it's, it's nice to have uh, a week zero that has some exciting offenses going, you know, sometimes we get uh, a lot of F FCS FBS matchups that are uh, a little bit weaker, but you know, this is full tilt FBS on FBS and it's, it's exciting. Yeah. A good mention. We get some good games. You get the degenerate teams that, you know, big time CFF fans know and love like Hawaii, like Ohio, New Mexico state, uh, no they FCS teams. That's always a struggle, you know, and we'll get that next week with week one, yeah. you know, on these Thursday, Friday slates, how does DraftKings ruin our lives? And that is by including <laughs> FCS games, you know, For Montana sure. State against, you know, Texas or something, right? Like we we would get something like that, but we don't have to do that week zero. We get that at least. I did joke um, 
on Chasing the Natty. I did that show with Jared yesterday that came out this morning, or I should say Monday morning. Um, I did joke that week zero, we get like a ridiculous do or die situation with Justin Lockhart, the San Jose State receiver, for sure, which will put us in a weird spot. But we'll get to that one uh, when we talk that awesome USC San Jose State game. But yeah, I feel like this is the first uh, week zero in about two years, three years where Austin P isn't on the menu. So, oh, uh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm having my Austin P withdrawals right now. So, <laughs> you you might be the only one. Yeah, I'm very yeah. happy that, that that something like that's not incorporated into this. But first game of the entire college football season is Navy Notre Dame in Dublin. Yep. What a ridiculous way to do it! But I mean, that's college football for you. For sure. What kind of? I mean, we haven't seen anything in terms of a showdown slate out for it. I would be shocked if they don't include something. So we'll talk oh, about yeah. the game generally speaking without yeah. pricing. Because obvious reasons, we don't have it. You know, what are your thoughts? I think we could probably knock out Navy fairly quick. So maybe, what's your thoughts on Navy's offense um, in this potential showdown slate? Yeah, I think you know the big uh, buzz around Navy is that they're they're abandoning the offense that they ran before, but they're not really abandoning it and abandoning the triple option. They're just going to a more hybrid pro style that is going to throw the ball more than you know four or five times a game. I don't know how much heavier their their passing is going to be, um, but I, I do think that you know it's going to be a little bit more predictable than it has been in the past. Uh, usually, you know, we don't even know for sure. They usually have two slot backs that they're alternating between and two fullbacks that they're alternating between. It's my hope that with this new uh, coaching staff that we'll at least know, you know, one maybe two guys that are going to get the lion's share of the the load with that triple option. Um, but you know, for, for the most part, I'm, I'm approaching it pretty much the same. I don't want a ton of their, uh, their passing options. Um, I do believe, is it, is it Umberger, the, uh, wide receiver out there that is definitely been the one, if you're, if you absolutely need a Navy wide receiver, the one to go for. Um, so he's, he's in play for sure. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty, pretty standard, you know, Fafana and, uh, uh, Lava Tai, I believe, is uh, have they have they pinned down that quarterback spot yet? So they've pretty much. It seems like they've pretty much come out and said they're going to play both quarterbacks, okay. um, which is just awesome for a showdown slate. Uh, so it'll be very interesting. It yeah. does seem like Lava Tai and Horvath will get significant run. I have it projected 50-50 because I don't. There's just no way to really determine yeah. who gets more, but. Um, one interesting thing about the passing is if they do pass more, which I believe they will, but I truly need to see it before I really kind of push it in projections. Yeah. Um, cause we just don't know how much of a difference it'll be. Uh, we certainly will know cause they'll be behind probably the entire game. And so if they are going to throw it, they'll throw it against uh, Notre Dame. But yeah, these receivers are not going to see crazy amounts of target percentages. Like uh, I think it's like Isaiah Austin from, Alston from Army gets like 40-something percent. Like yep. that number is going to lessen because there will be more attempts to go around. So keep that in mind, people at home. Um, but yeah, I, I am interested to see what they do. But I think ultimately it's the Fofana, you know, maybe a, a, you mix in whoever is cheaper with these secondary type options for them and the running backs. The nice thing about Navy is they've been very transparent about their depth chart. So yeah. I, I was surprised because I, I was I was in a little bit on uh, Anton Hall uh, in a few, you know, sicko best balls that are super deep. But uh, 
yeah, he it looks like is projected to be a uh, a backup slot back and, and does not have a starting role this year. So uh, surprised that we have that information heading into week zero, but glad we do. Yeah, it's quite impressive. We appreciate their service, both in combat as well as in the depth charts. Um, the secondary guys would be like, it seems like Chapman and Hassan. I, it truly is like whatever the whoever's priced the lowest might be like that one Navy guy you play type of situation. Yeah. Um, Cause we don't obviously know the pricing that are named. They're going to be pretty aggressive. I'm sure we did get uh, Notre Dame's depth chart has come out. Were you able to see no. it before recording? This is new so to me. Yeah. Um, pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Like um, Jane Thomas, Chris Tyree, as well as Tobias Merriweather start at receiver. Okay. The tight end is Mitchell Evans and Holden stays as the backup. Um, and then at running back, right? Estime is the guy. And then they have a four-way or split. Hmm, Don't bad. show uh, Schefter. He'll freak out. Um, <laughs> between, let's see here. It's Payne, Price, Ford, and Love. So I, I don't know. What's what's any? There's no surprises there of, of the starters, right? Um, not in the starters necessarily. I am a little bit surprised that, you know, it's a four-way tie at the backup spot. I, in my head, Jadarian Price is above, uh, you know, Gibran Payne and Devin Ford and all them. But, uh, you know, that's, that's not a huge surprise. It's definitely pretty straightforward. Um, I didn't hear you, you didn't mention Colsey. Colsey's not a, a starter, is he? He is not a starter. Okay. He's a backup to Jaden Thomas. Okay. I I had some thought that maybe Colsey would see uh, see a starting lineup, but um, other than that, yeah, that's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Once they moved Tyree to the like, to receiver, it kind of squeezed Colsey out. But Colsey is also a bigger guy. Like some of these, he might be the biggest receiver of all of them. Um, yeah. So yeah. So interesting group. I've talked about it in recent shows or conversations I've had. I'm really curious to see who like the top target Hartman throws to and yeah. how concentrated that is. Um, is he going to throw it 25 to 30% of time to one guy? Like, I think I like Merriweather a little bit. People like Jaden Thomas. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, how he utilizes those guys. Yeah. Everything I've seen has kind of slanted a little bit more towards Thomas getting the lion's share. He's kind of been the name that's gotten the most buzz from what I've seen, but you know, it'll be interesting to see if this, how this group progresses during the year. Um, you know, Jaden Greathouse got a lot of buzz early in camp coming out as a, a true freshman, but um, we'll see, you know, who, who sticks around and, and who doesn't this, this wide receiver group, I feel like has just gone under such huge transformation since last year um, with some transfers out. And uh, there was one who, who switched over to defense. I feel like uh, who was there before, but Lorenzo. Yeah. Yep. So uh, with Styles, Styles going to the other side of the ball, and I think he transferred out too. So um, it'll be interesting to see what what this group looks like through the rest of the year. We know Hartman can support multiple wide receivers, uh, at least in his his previous scheme. So it'll be interesting to see how much they're throwing and how much they let uh, Hartman really take the reins of this thing. Yeah, it does feel like we'll have to kind of utilize all of them pending pricing um, in terms of showdown lineups. I think they're all viable in some form or fashion. Like I think I could see past to them being in the winning lineup essentially for all these different starter receivers. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do at running back. So last year, right. Logan Diggs and estimate both 
would see like 13 to 15 carries each. And they both were really good with it, right? Estime is like essentially as big as the defensive lineman for Navy. Yeah. So this is a great matchup yeah. for him. He's like 5'11", almost 230. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jadarian Price is like your favorite second running back you know, of those guys that are in the or. I like him probably the most as well. And I think considering how they used uh, like the, the running backs last year, I think he possesses some really nice upside. Yeah. It's because, because there is a shot. They do the whole 13 to 15 carries each thing again. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm curious too, if the way that they have it split right now, isn't going to be situationally with the, that backup role, you know, Devin Ford from Penn state has a lot of experience as that third down back receiving back. Um, I don't know how much they'll use him knowing that Tyree is, you know, is he truly going to stay in the slot or are they going to be motioning him in and out uh, a little bit more uh, for that hybrid role? But if they, if he, if he sticks in the slot and they don't use him out of the backfield, uh, Devin Ford is an interesting name, you know, as that, that pass catching back. And, and um, you know, I don't know how, how much they want to try and get estimate uh, the ball in, in some receiving work, but. Uh, Ford's a name that I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on. I, I don't think he has any opportunity to, you know, take a, on a, a lion's share role or anything like that. But um, definitely a skill set that could be utilized in different situational aspects. Yeah, and considering the spread is pretty large, the team total is pretty nice. Like, if you can find a, a reason to think he'll be on the field, you know, anything could happen. So yeah. you kind of have to find those outlier random type plays. I can get behind a more of a pass catching back being productive let's talk uh utap and jacksonville state let's gloss over that one real quick because they will likely be a showdown it'll likely be tiny and truthfully like do we know anything like about how jacksonville state's gonna play slash like who is gonna do that i know it's a rich rod offense right yeah I mean, but, that's, that's all i know <laughs> i know, you know the quarterback's I, gonna run <laughs> right and i was looking at like I was looking at PFF and I was looking at RotoWire and all these different places that provide stats because they were FCS last year. Like nobody has anything. Like if you go to ESPN and look at their 2022 stats, I think it's just defensive stats. <laughs> so I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out what's going to happen here. Yeah. I will just not play. Honestly, I just will not play the showdown. It's not worth, you know, messing around you don't, with. To you don't me. want to try and get some, some Jameer Joyner exposure on, uh, on Jacksonville state. I am a, I am a joiner fan. That is for sure. I've had him in the days, um, but I don't know. I, the UTEP yeah. feels a little bit more predictable, right? With Tyron yeah. Smith and uh, yeah. probably I, a by committee in the backfield, right? Yeah, I you know I think that this uh, UTEP offense is going to be just fine. They're going to hum along pretty pretty standard, uh, like what they've done. I, I do expect to see Hardison taking a step forward. Um, as a quarterback, you know, I don't know what his ceiling is as a quarterback, but I do think that they'll be a little bit more consistent. Um, I've been a big Deion Hankins fan. Uh, you know, his, his fan tracks eligibility is what a lot of people like, but, uh, you know, I think he'll get the premier role as the, the workhorse running back, at least, um, out the gate. Uh, and then behind Tyron Smith, Kelly, I don't know how you pronounce the last name, Ak Akiari, uh, I'm, I'm guessing on that one. So apologies if that's a uh, uh, awful butchering, but he uh, had some extra time to establish that rapport with Hardison and was operating as the number one wide receiver while Tyron Smith was 
considering Texas A&M and getting his academics in order to transfer back to UTEP. So I think there's some potential there. Um, you know, we're looking at a showdown slate. All the ownership is going to be on Tyron Smith, but, um, you know, Hankins and Akiari are two guys that are on my radar for sure. Yeah. The second receiver at UTEP does get a decent bit of, uh, of usage. So considering the matchup, it's, I think it's like an even spread and uh, the total is like 54. So, there should be some scoring, um, and he's just as you know Akiari or Mr. Kelly here uh, yeah. is most likely to to be a part of it of those like tertiary options. So I don't mind the call out at all. I, I think I think against an FCS team and a UTEP should be productive on offense. I don't see how they yeah. would like misstep. You know, you never really know. But a former FCS team, I should say, they're now FBS that vaunted conference USA, you know? Um, so yeah, let's uh, kick it to another conference USA team. So this is actually on the slate. These next five games are included on DraftKings at time of recording. They are part of the main slate. We get the primetime ESPN game. I think we all knew it was coming, right? New Mexico state and UMass as the option okay. just made Jerry too much Hill. sense. Uh, you know, what are you, you know, what's your vibe on this one? Is there a player that pops to you as a guy that, you think is kind of like a must have or a must roster? Uh, definitely no must rosters uh, on, on these two teams, but you know, the pricing for Diego is really interesting. You know, 7,400. Um, I'm not sure. He's definitely not the most expensive. I feel like he's like fourth, maybe fourth highest quarterback on the, the slate, maybe third. Um, but he's, he's up there. And obviously, you know, it's, the rushing upside is is what they uh, are pricing him up for. And in a game where they're favored, they think he's going to be pretty productive. Um, so I'm I'm interested in what kind of ownership. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to pull the trigger on Diego uh, just because there are cheaper options that are more um, accessible and, and provide maybe even a higher upside. You know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Rourke and Maiden in that, that next game. Um, but that being said, you know, it's a great way to differentiate in those tournament plays. Um, I do think that their receivers are a little bit more ironed out than people think they are. You know, I think, you know, Jonathan Brady and Cordell David have gotten that steady drumbeat from what I've been looking at since, you know, we were doing the CFF guide. Um, and so I feel like, you know, they've had two or three months where they've been, pumped up as expected to be one and two. Um, that being said, wide receiver three for them is a little bit of a, a cluster. Uh, you got Bellamy and Childress. And then there's uh, another guy, Akles, who isn't on the DraftKings slate that is projected as, as being in, involved there as well. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, running back is kind of a committee with, with Thomas and Jones for New Mexico State. And then, to be honest, UMass, outside of... George Johnson, who is not on the slate. I wasn't really in on anybody. Um, but for whatever reason, Johnson wasn't included in, in pricing either. Um, so we'll see. Um, what What about you? Are you a, a Tyson fan over uh, for the Minutemen? Oh, no, never. I, I, <laughs> so my uh, I'm doing a different style of main slate write-up. And, and I'm basically giving options per position in the different tiers. And I'm... I'm not going to get super specific on the actual pricing because I just don't want to have to 
type out those numbers like that and abide yeah. by it every single time. But essentially a, a high price to middle price and a bare minimum. And I don't see a reason why you should go cheap with Tyson. Like 4,800 yeah. out of a sorting quarterback is always like a little bit of like a double take. But considering the slate, I, I don't see a world where he is on the winning team. There's just too much, you know, cheap too many cheap options out there at the different positions and then of course you have a lot of quarterbacks that could go crazy right this is a pretty this is a pretty deep quarterback group for five yeah, games late for sure diego is really interesting because of what you mentioned right the price is pretty aggressive um yeah. to confirm he is the he's like the seventh highest priced uh quarterback overall and He's the third highest starting quarterback. There we um, go. Yeah, I, I was only looking at starters. So. Sorry, he's cool. he's pretty expensive. Um, but I like that. Like, I, I think he's a great tournament play. He has shown to have huge upside. New Mexico State loves to hammer the quarterback run. Um, they don't really have a running back. I think that's like going to steal all the touchdowns. Yeah. You know, you worry about maybe like a bell cow or like a, 5'11", 230-pound running back to steal carries around the goal line. And I just – I think they'd rather have it in Diego's hands and let him do it around the two-yard line type of thing. Yeah, so sure. I do think he has some of the best upside of the position. Um, and his price is going to drive ownership lower than yeah. what it – significantly lower than it would be if he was in the 6K range even. So big fan of him. Uh, I am interested to see the receivers. You made some good points. I wasn't super high on any of them just because like, mm -hmm. if you look at like a broad scope, how they did last year, everybody was yeah. like in the 15 to 20 catch range, but like yeah. just looking at like game log, Brady had four catches and for the last five type thing. So if Diego's a better passer, which he needs to be, then yeah. he's going to throw it to somebody. And it does feel like those two guys, Brady, and I think it's right. Stewart are like the solidified top two guys. So yeah, I've got David Cordell, David, as that, uh, that David, player. I'm sorry. Yeah. David, yeah. um, the other Cordell Stewart, yeah. uh, weird, <laughs> weird subconscious sub in there, but, um, but yeah, it, their prices again are going to make those owner, that ownership level pretty low. Cause I don't think anybody's going to be jacked up to roster a guy that averaged 6.7 points last year, but yeah, I'm, I'm um, curious your take too, just from a theory perspective. I mean, when you look at the slate, I mean, most people, I feel like when you're building a slate, you plug in your most expensive quarterback and you pair them with, you know, one of their top receiving options. Do you think that that's going to, I, when I look at it, that's why I think that that Pavia is going to be a little bit cheer, a little bit underowned from that aspect. Do you think that that's something that is still going to be the case where you're going to need a, a bargain quarterback uh, for this this slate or do you think that the value i mean i know we'll we'll get into some other games but do you think that there's a positional value um that is underpriced uh just as a whole i think receivers got a lot of receiver options that are i'm sorry cheap options that are, are viable potentially some running backs um i haven't done a lot of hand building yet but yeah. i could see people not having an issue i think people are going to plug in caleb like just right off the bat and rightfully so in a lot of cases i know we've kind of talked offline about like potentially trying to be low on him which we can get to here in a little bit yeah i i do think diego's price plus the fact that caleb first will will lower his ownership and 
I think people like Rourke and I think people know Hank's name. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of way, like ways to get to Diego with low ownership. So, you know, especially if you're going to do Caleb, like you said, you want to roster a receiver. I would, I would stack Caleb, uh, Caleb this week because of obviously they rotate and use a lot of different receivers, but like, their potential for a huge game is there. You kind of have to honor that stacking type of ability. So then that's another expensive guy, right? So another reason why he would be, uh, Diego would be a little bit lower. I mentioned Curtis Rourke is a guy that everybody in the CFF community loves. We've talked about him all off season and the injury with his knee. Is he back? Is he not going to be healthy? Seems like he's going to be healthy for day one. He was like in pads and like practicing and stuff like that weeks and weeks ago. Are you worried at all about his knee injury that he had in November? You know, I, I, I was, you know, two months ago, three months ago. I'm, I'm not anymore. I've, everything that has come out of there has been such consistent, positive, you know, be it coach speak or whatever it is. But he's been on the field and he's been, he's been a full participant from, from everything that I've seen. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that he's going to be same old, same old and, um, if we get, you know, any late breaking news and CJ Harris is definitely viable, but, um, I'm, I'm excited about, about getting Rourke back in the, uh, the DFS streets. Yeah. I, um, I'm nervous about him, not because of the injury it, yeah. to me, it's like playing Rourke, even though his price is 5,500, it's not too terrible by any means, but like playing Rourke, you definitely think that Vegas is wrong. Like yeah. their team total is pretty low. Um, yeah. And he's not a rushing quarterback. Like he's especially post knee injury. They're not going to run him a ton against San Diego State in week zero. So yeah. you really have to rely on touchdowns and yeah. heavy, you know, high amounts of passing yards to get the bonus. So I am nervous because then that means I have to make it seem like I'm smarter than Vegas, which, you know, after 35 years of, of data, I would say yeah. I'm not smarter than Vegas. But yeah. I certainly get the point of why you would want to use him. 5,500, his last year was incredible. He's got a star receiver one. Like The matchup is a little bit scary, but I think internally at C2C, I don't think people are super... San Diego State is probably more like traditionally a great defense than they probably are a great defense this yeah. year, right? Yeah, I mean, they return, uh, let's see, 50, 57.9% of their defensive production this year. So they they lost a, a pretty good chunk, and the biggest question mark for them is definitely their defensive line. Um, so they're they're breaking in some new new players on that defensive line. Um, but that's that's a big deal. If there's one spot you don't want to have, you know, a, a weakness, it's going to be up front because that's going to dictate what kind of pressure you can get without having to scheme press, pressure, and it's also going to dictate, you know, how how well you stuff the run. Um, from everything that I've seen, you know, it's it's a twofold combination with uh, the reason why Rourke is so low priced is because you've got that traditional thinking that San Diego State is going to be um, a very strong and stout defense. Um, and then you just, you know, you're, you've got that question of, of his health. Um, and so I get the fact that he's so low, maybe not as low as he's actually priced, but um, I get the fact that you'd want to be a little conservative on him. I think the bigger game theory question and the the more important conversation through all of this is what do you do with those secondary receiving options? I mean, I know 
everybody loves Sam Wiglis. He's seventy one hundred. He's he's expensive, but he is likely the most locked into a significant uh, volume out of anyone on the slate at the receiver position. Um, and so you've got Jacoby Jones and Miles Cross at sixty two hundred and fifty six hundred. Um, they're very aggressively priced as well um, for being second and third options on there. I am very adamant in the fact that I think the winning lineup is going to have the right option between Jacoby Jones and Miles Cross um, because those guys seem to pop. Um, one of them usually has a big game regardless of what Wickless does. So I'm interested in your thoughts on on the uh, the tertiary options for Ohio. The, the price is is aggressive and it the hard part right is like you're basically saying they're going to produce more than the secondary options for usc is essentially yeah. it, those that's the price point they're at um which comes with good and bad right like well if you take jacoby jones you better hope he outproduces mario williams and brendan rice yeah. and uh, taj washington because if not that's a huge amount of people that are going to be over you uh, yeah. in these lineups in these uh in tournaments but along with that, you could gain a huge, you know, you could huge some gain some huge ground on players that do go with the USC guys while you are dabbling with some Ohio players. So I don't, I'm not thrilled with any of them. My projections just don't love Ohio because we are very Vegas focused and team yeah. total focused. So it's a little bit harder. I will probably force, a, you know, Jones, Cross, and obviously Wigless as well. Make sure I get a little bit of them, but I, I would imagine I'll be pretty on par with the, the overall group. Yeah. But, hey, let me ask you, where did you get that returning production data? Uh, I got that from our good friend CF, well, C2C winning edge, uh, Nick, Nick Allen, uh, who has joined our, our C2C team. Uh, he has shared some wonderful new statistics that, that are at our disposal this year. So, Do you know if that's available via subscription at campustocanton.com? You know, I think it is. And more specifically, I believe there's an add-on package that that can be added with. So uh, there is zero reason not to take that current subscription and tack that on. It is well worth, worth its weight in gold for sure. Yeah, I've heard uh, sources close to me have said that's one of the best deals in the industry. So maybe I'll check that out. Um, from a San Diego State perspective, I mean, I, you know, Max is our resident, you know, Mac defensive back guru. He says yeah. that Ohio's defensive backs are trash. So I'm now I'm interested because I think Maiden is a capable quarterback. He can yeah. use his legs. Okay, so now I'm in. All right, he's reeled me in a little bit. Now, who can I stack them with? Right. They yeah. last year they had a couple guys that really had some nice performances. This year we see some similar names and some fresh names. Um, what's kind of your thought on on Maiden as a quarterback, as well as like if there's one San Diego State receiver that pops out uh, pops yeah. to you as a, a stacking option? Yeah, I mean, off the cuff, I like Makai Shaw. Um, he's not terribly priced 5,200. So it's definitely attainable to get him in, in your rosters. Um, it's also another situation where, you know, they don't have that standard workhorse running back that they've maybe had in the past that elevates their running game. Um, and so I do feel like a lot of the offensive production in general, rushing and passing combined is going to flow through Maiden. 
Um, so it's really, it's really intriguing. Behind him, I had originally had Felipe Wesley as wide receiver two. Um, I haven't seen anything confirm that, but I know it's between him and Raphael Williams, um, kind of figuring out who's going to be that that number two option. Not that I think it's really going to make that huge of a difference. My guess is it's going to be a pretty flat um, target distribution between wide receiver two and wide receiver three. Um, but I'm hoping that Maiden, uh, Maiden and Shaw can get that that wide receiver one connection. Yeah, I I um I need to. This is one that I'm going to dig deeper in as the week goes on because I think there is extreme validity to using one. I built really quickly. I built a hundred lineups on the solver which is where I do all my optimi- optimizer um, building. And I get a lot of Raphael Williams. And I was like, wait yeah. a second. I need to, <laughs> essentially, I wrote a note down that like, make sure this is a real player type thing. But like <laughs> game log looking, you know, he had a touchdown like four of the last five, which is, yeah. you know, nice. Mackie Shaw, like you said, was valuable and a, a real player. You know, in week zero, you just never know. Sometimes you get a guy, jump a guy, you know, in the yeah. starting lineup. And sometimes it's just... They just kind of ease into the role and that's theirs. Yeah. But there is, you know, I don't know if I'll see a, a league winner, like a, a tournament winner will come from this receiver group, but I would be, I'd be surprised if you can't build a really, really good roster with one of these guys, just a matter of which one it is. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you probably do have to stack Maiden. I mean, he does run a decent bit, but he had, he had a bunch of 300 or maybe 260 yard plus games um, yeah. last year. And I mean, the so, thing with him, thing with him is he's just he's sporadic and he's inconsistent but you know he's either really really good or really really bad so those are the kind of guys that you want to look for in your your tournament builds for sure you touched on the running backs it seems like this is going to be a legitimate running back by committee um they're (laughs) two of them are priced cheap and two of them are priced middle of the pack so i i would imagine keenan Kristen and uh i think it's cam davis right uh, those are the higher price guys ones. They're off the board for you, you think? Probably. I'm a little bit interested in Keenan Christian. Um, I doubt that I'm going to have much exposure at all. I'm Honestly, I'm more interested in the value play of Jalen Armstead over anyone else in that, that group. Um, he's in at 3,900. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, through the offseason, I kind of saw him in that conversation – of being the starter or being, you know, the number two in that pecking order. Um, I don't, I don't really know how that's going to break out. I mean, we, we say that a lot here in week zero, but um, for that cheap, you can really jam in some high priced options elsewhere. Um, if you, uh, if you want to get weird with your, your flex or your, your running back spot there. Yeah. I think uh, Armstead is the cheap guy to go with. He did have a couple games where he went heavy usage, you know, going into last season too. I think a lot of people liked him as a potential option at San Diego State. And then last year is when Kristen transferred in from USC, correct? So he's a smaller guy, but it's not like San Diego State hasn't been afraid to run the heck out of a smaller guy. So I do think a sprinkle of him makes sense, like you kind of mentioned, just because what if they go, you know, 15 to 20 carries and that's going to be a good scoring game for San Diego State. So All I do of a like... sudden, he's Donnell Pumphrey, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be – it's not that hard to get to that point. Yeah. Um, we glossed over Ohio running backs, but I imagine Sia Bangura is, like, pretty much, you know, not a locked-in type of guy, but, like, if he fits, you play him. If, 
you don't build your, ro- your roster immediately around him, but he's certainly a guy that uh, I've had. Yeah, I've had nightmares all off season about um, O'Shawn Allison coming in and sealing some uh, some Bangura touches close to the goal line. So uh, I know he's he's coming back. It seems like he's been in in at Ohio for gosh eight years now. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I've. I've gotten bad juju from from that whole that whole feeling, but I mean, I love Banger. I, I think his workload is probably the most secure on the slate. Yeah, I think the two things for me um, and why I don't mind him, even with a smaller team total, is that he does two things. He, he scores the heck out of touchdowns. I think he had like mm-hmm. seventeen total last year, and he catches the football. So he, had, okay. I think he had twenty seven receptions. So like. I think every game but one, he was double-digit fantasy points, and now I don't, I don't necessarily love that for his price. It does give him a decent floor, um, you know. And these MAC players, man, let's say they kind of take it easy on work. I could see a world where, you know, Bangura does have a big game um, because they pound the rock. So, yeah. especially if you know San Diego State is weak up front, like like people are kind of buzzing about. You know, they'll we'll know very quickly how soft San Diego State is against the run. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Hawaii and Vanderbilt. This one should be a fun one. Um, it's not often you love Vanderbilt players, but it's typically week zero. Uh, some interesting options at running back and receiver here. In, uh, we're, in Hawaii, we're waiting on depth chart news. Yeah. And I think even then, I think we're waiting on like some more solidified, solidified news on what's going yeah. on there because I, I don't think any of us trust a Hawaii depth chart just because there's so many receivers in play. But of what I just mentioned, maybe what's the one thing that pops out at you is like the thing that you're excited about, or maybe trying to figure out going into Saturday for this game. You know, I, I don't know exactly what to expect out of Hawaii, but there are some guys that I feel good about in the receiving core as flyers. You know, this isn't new for Hawaii to have a a wide variety of receivers who could be viable going into a season. Um, a few guys that really stand out. I mean, obviously the guy who we've, we've fallen in love with at, at C2C uh, as kind of a, a deep, deep shot is Chuki Hines. Um, so he comes in at, at 3000 uh, minimum salary for a receiver. Um, he's, he's interesting, but I have really loved Tomatoa Mokiao Atimalala. He's my, uh, my guy that I, I just think he's going to have some buzz at the last two spring games. He's caught in touchdown passes. Um, and I think that he's, he's got a little buzz. So at 3,900, I am not at all worried about trying to, to go out and grab him. Um, if I remember correctly, he is also supposed to be a slot guy. Um, so in that run and shoot, we, we really tend to gravitate, gravitate towards the inside slot receivers um, just because they get the majority of the passes. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Pinoke is going to have that higher ownership, I think. Um, even with a low Vegas total, I feel like people are still going to gravitate towards Hawaii being a passing attack and wanting to get some exposure there. Um, yeah. I, I, Talon Hines is great too, especially if he does get that... Um, you know, that, that hybrid role, uh, that we saw a few years ago. Um, his name escapes me, but, but the, 
or the running back from two or three years ago that Parson. went on to get not Parson. Uh, it was it was another one. Uh, I wrote him down in my article that I wrote last night, but I, I, his name escapes me. What a tease! Making I know, people right? read the article it. for the name you're thinking of. Uh, yeah. By the way, speaking of names, impressive pronunciation. If I was you, I would never say that name again because I don't think you will ever say it as good as <laughs> that. Not. That was extremely impressive, Mister Akiyari. Is like what the through... hell? <laughs> I may or may not have ran through the pronunciation guide before we jumped on. So uh, that is impressive. Uh, my takeaway from Hawaii is the most, the easiest guy to project is Pinoke. I think like. Yeah. But he's a he's an out wide receiver, so it's not necessarily what you want. But you never know. Like last, this is supposed to be the run and shoot, but like last year they didn't want to implement a shovel pass because they didn't think yeah. they were ready for it. So like, do we think they're going to still maintain run yeah. and shoot principles? He's priced up a little bit to where it's. I mean, I you know if you're taking him over Ohio receivers and um, USC receivers almost, but I do yeah. think you make a good point, and it's just that. There's a lot of cheap receivers, and I think they're all potentially in play. If you're building more than five lineups, you should really consider utilizing one of them in terms of and maybe spread it around a little bit. So Hines is obviously uh Chuki Hines is obviously in play. I think um Mr. Adamala is in play. I think Stephen McBride could start at slot and wouldn't be the worst option yeah. in the world. And I like Kowali Nishi Gaia. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I took the easier out there with that one over. Mr. Oh, for sure. Mala. Also, um, it was Calvin Turner was the uh, the guy I was thinking about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good call out. So <laughs> all that to say, I think all of them are in play. You're just yeah. throwing darts at that point. You know, my if you're going to say I need to roster one in this huge format, I would say probably take the one that's the lowest owned because I mean, assuming he's not like third on the depth chart. Yeah. Um, and see what happens. We're going to get some ownership projections probably from like a roto grinders or like established to run maybe and, yeah. and kind of gauge where we're at there. But I think all of them have paths to being successful if they're the starter and all of them have paths to like doing nothing because it's still Shager, it's still Hawaii and they're not yeah. necessarily back like we want them to be. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt, I, you know, there's options here. We briefly mentioned or briefly talked about Hawaii running, or I'm sorry, Vandy running backs before the show yeah. today in our Slack channel. It seems like definitively a running back by committee to begin yeah. the year. We, we get Jared, who likes Cedric Alexander. I think you like Patrick Smith. And I've just kind of leaned on uh, Gillespie just because I've seen some mentions of him being kind of that RB1. So, I mean, maybe sum up a little bit about what we talked about earlier and how you're attacking the position. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a very even split, I would assume. Um, Talent-wise, I do think Cedric Alexander is the best back they have. Um, but Patrick Smith, uh, he's the incumbent. He was wildly inefficient last year. Um, but he comes in is the senior, junior. He's got seniority on on that that group. Um, so he, I would assume, is going to come out as that running back one against a defense that is not anything to worry about with Hawaii. Um, I feel like it's a really easy way for Clark Lee to say, hey, you're the incumbent. You're not going to get, going up against tough competition. Prove that you should hold on to this spot. Um, and I think that he's going to get first crack at it. That being said, if he comes out and is not 
anywhere near what Gillespie and Alexander are able to do. Um, he will be, be quickly passed over for sure. Um, but I do think that this is a game where we're going to see drive for drive, Smith in the first, Gillespie in the second, Alexander in the third, and just some sort of alternation. Or maybe what they'll do, Smith and Gillespie are the uh, alternating backs, and then we get Alexander on some passing work or something like that to try and you know, boost his, his uh, blocking a little bit as well as his uh, ability to go out and, and be explosive on the edges. One thing about Alexander that's fairly impressive is like he's built like he is built like a college football running back. I think yeah. I you saw him at five nine two hundred essentially. Yeah. So like, you know, that's one of the things with running backs and freshmen, just generally speaking, is you're concerned about potential size. Don't have to worry about that there. Um, you know, it, it is Vandy. So it's kind of weird to say it does feel like they're pretty stocked up at running backs. So there are options. Yeah. Um, this definitely feels like a committee, like you said, in some form or fashion, there seems to be, you know, a mixture of, of snaps going to be spread yeah. out between these three guys. We're, and the thing that makes me feel a little bit better about trying to project it is that, like, let's say we like so I am projecting Gillespie as the RB1. Even if he's the RB2 or even the three, they should, in theory, be up by Hawaii enough to see some of that run later on For in the sure. game. Yeah. If we're completely off on the committee approach, or if he is like that third guy in the committee, they should, in theory, be up in the second half and give some additional attempts to those secondary options. So I think, um, wouldn't I would not surprise me if a winning lineup had one of these guys in it. Yeah, uh, I would imagine probably Patrick Smith is going to be the lowest owned guy because he's the highest price. What do you What do you think about doing two of them? Do you think there's any viability there? I do because of the pricing is pretty low. Yeah. It would have to include Alexander though. You know, like yeah. you pretty much he'd have to be one of them. I you know I spit out the optimal lineup in it. There's some tweaks I made um, to some different things we with like the USC blowout. I changed some things around um, just yeah. to impact for that. And it, it included Gillespie and Alexander in the optimal line. So I do see that as a potential um, route to building your lineup. And, I, you know, the game yeah. script is helpful. And Vandy in general is not afraid to run the football if they want to. You know, Raymond Davis ran, ran it a ton yeah, last year. For real. It's a little surprising to see Will Shepard as the third pr highest priced receiver option. But yeah, I'm that was very, funky. very, very, very clearly he's the receiver one, right? Like I didn't yeah. miss anything in the last six months. No, I'm, I mean, if, if you did, so did I. But uh, yeah, I will say too, seeing Alexander's price there, I don't think I'll have any Jalen Armstead if he's $200 more expensive than Cedric Alexander. I'll, I'll take the savings and try and apply it somewhere else. But uh, I do like Alexander as a, uh, a flyer this week for sure. Okay. Shepard is, you know, I think he's going to be one of the higher owned guys. He's seen a yeah. ton of production against weaker opponents. That's what you kind of need in this offense, uh, passing the football, you know, the younger quarterback in Swan, I believe it is. Right. Yeah. So I think not to get too deep into it, he should see a heavy market share of touches, like 30% plus yeah. in terms of target share for the team. Um, and then the other guys just, you know, you could throw a dart at one of them, but they're more expensive. So it's hard to, you know, legitimately consider that. I do wonder just how much they're going to feel the need to rely on one guy in this game. Like this feels like a, a spot where they could try and get 
all three of those guys kind of tuned up with Skinner, McGowan, and Shepard. Everybody gets theirs, and they go, you know, each of them have three or four catches for 60, 70 yards apiece, and two of them have touchdowns or something like that. I mean, they're going to be successful offensively, so there will be touchdowns to go around. And yeah. the other names are guys that have been heard of, so it's not like you're trying to figure out that second or third option, so I don't hate that. Yeah. Looking at USC and San Jose State, maybe sum up a little bit about what you were talking about with Caleb Williams and how you might approach ownership there. Yeah, so I there's no secret. Caleb is going to be you know 80% plus uh, owned on this slate. I did some digging last night uh, and was looking in at last year's main slate. So last year there were six games on the main slate, so there was an extra one. Austin Reed uh, in that Western Kentucky offense was uh, – up against Austin P and Austin Reed was $9,000. He ended up 79.4% owned in the $15 contest. So the big tournament. Um, what I kind of dove into beyond that was looking for a matchup last year where USC was in a similar position um, going up a similar competition, you know, comparable spread and everything like that. So I landed on their game against Fresno um and watched uh, or checked out the the game log and saw that caleb scored 31.36 points uh fantasy points in that game um and the wide receiver target was very flat uh distribution they relied on running backs two of them had over 100 yards uh rushing um if uh caleb williams didn't have the two rushing touchdowns um his night would have been a complete bust against fresno um, and so I, I look at that and I say, okay, that's kind of what Lincoln Riley will do. I, d I don't think that there's a world we live in where Caleb Williams plays the whole game against San Jose state. Um, I, I like San Jose state's offense, but USC is just light years ahead and, and San Jose state has a big drop off on defense as well. Um, and potentially everything that Lincoln Riley has been saying is that USC's defense has beefed up and is better than the awful performance that they were last year. Um, so it's really hard for me to get behind playing a guy who's going to be 80%, 85% owned um, when there's the possibility that he's not going to play that full game. And I mean, I know there are multiple scenarios where Caleb Williams plays a half and drops, you know, 45 points, 50 points on us. Um but especially with a running back battle that's going on between Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd, it kind of makes me think that they're going to want to try and establish a guy after this game um, and give both of them a good look so that they have more data to go off of. Um, I, I don't really love any of their wide receivers. I know that, you know, Singer is uh, a great option. Um, Taj Washington had that connection with uh, with Caleb Williams down the stretch last year when, when Addison was out. Um, so, I mean, I like them, but I really think, and I, I think you touched on this in, in the Burning the Red Shirt uh, this week, but Caleb is good enough that he does not need to rely on an alpha. He is going to have a nice flat distribution of his targets because he's going to find the right guy and not the guy. Um, and so I think that, you know, even if I do play Caleb in there, I, I might be doing some weird naked Caleb and not, not stacking him with anyone. Um, 
I don't know. What What are your thoughts on on Caleb this week? I do like the idea of getting a little weird if you are going to play Caleb, especially if you're only going to play a few lineups because you you're immediately jumping into like an eighty to ninety percent ownership yeah. for one position. And then you're automatically going to be picking a cheap guy or two, which are probably also going to be higher on. So you kind of have to figure out a way to, to differentiate yourself. My problem with fading him or be significantly under him is like there are enough cheap options that are that make sense as good plays. Yeah. It's kind of like just take your points and go, right? Like yeah. even if he gets 25 points, you're not happy about that just generally speaking, but like in the slate, it could still be fine. Um, with it being just five games, there's less quarterbacks that could do it. And if you have the if you have the financial flexibility, it's a little easier to swallow a 25 point game. If this was like a disagree, I disagree. 12 or 14 game, I think fading him makes more sense to me. But I'm curious why you disagree. I think that I mean you touched on it earlier about how four or five game slate. This is a very deep quarterback pool like there are more than five quarterbacks who i could say okay i could see playing them you know maybe we're right at five but there's five or six guys who i i would consider and have in my pool um i feel like when you're playing such a small uh a small slate that you know any differentiation that you can do is going to be even more important like last year Doug Brumfeld was the uh, the top quarterback on the the week zero slate last year, and he was pretty radically under owned. So, um, I I really think that you know smaller pool, higher ownership. You know, I I I told you that I I was really considering a full fade, but I don't think I'm I've got the uh, the stones to pull that off. So so we'll we'll see about that. But you know everything about what I've come to know about tournament plays on DraftKings and in college DFS tells me that I should look elsewhere. Um, and, you know, if, if Caleb does go off, you know, that's just the way it's going to be and, and, and take the, take the lumps that come with that. So my problem or my situation is that I just don't have a ton of the other guys because the projections don't love their team totals. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like I have a ton of Caleb just in the quick hundred lineups I ran. Like I have a ton of Caleb. I'm like 50% Hank. I'm like 25% Jalen Maiden. And then uh, pretty much everybody else is like 10% or less. So like, yeah, I, from a perspective of like not looking at projections, you're right. Like Rourke Cordero are both really interesting. Hank projects well, but it seems good against FIU just generally speaking. And then you incorporate Diego. So it does feel like there's a lot of options, but my projections just hate these other options just because yeah. the team totals are so weird. But if you love Diego, if you love Cordero, like then I could certainly see fading Caleb. It just, that's not how things are shaking out currently for me. Yeah. And I think part of that comes down to just the different style that, that you and I build. We build differently. I am generally doing 20 to 50 hand build lineups a week. And I know that you're, generally pumping out 150, 300 uh, optimized lineups. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, all of that's going to be a little bit different, but um, I mean, the projections, it's, it's always such a double-edged sword because those projections are always going to be much more hitting the median outcome as opposed to those, those outliers. And, you know, you need to hit a few outliers to really take down a a GPP in any given week. So 
Um, it's it, it's interesting. I'm I'm not dead set on on my feelings about Caleb, but I I definitely have strong inclinations that you know I'm I want to explore every avenue to fade this week. But what do you what do you think about the wide receivers that uh, that he's got? I I know we touched a little bit on on how difficult it is to pay up for any of them, but um, are you are you in on any particular one this week? I think I'll have the most singer of all of them by a decent bit. Um, and then the rest will just kind of be spread out like between 10 and 25%. It just, yeah, I, they're priced a, a little bit higher and they spread it around enough a little, you know, that it just, you're not going to shockingly get like even, you know, stacking Caleb, you're still not going to get like a crazy amount of ownership yeah. on all of them. Um, which is probably a good thing. Cause I think, there truly is a lot of different routes for each of them to have a big game. You know, like Taj is a big play monster. Like he is a yeah. three for 120 and two touchdowns. Um, you know, Brandon Rice is like the same type, right? Uh, except yeah. he's an outside receiver. I am not a big Mario guy. I'll have the least amount of him. And then Singer's kind of a wild card because um, he was really good at Arizona. He seems to have a good chemistry with uh, Caleb. But we just... I don't know. I mean, he could easily have an awesome chemistry with Caleb and just get open. Yeah. And he's just always looking at him. Right. So I don't know. I will have the most singer and I won't be scared or nervous about it just because yeah. I think they score so many points, but that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I know uh, Taj missed some practices last week. I don't know if he's, if he's fully back, if he doesn't play, are you, is there any world where you're playing like Zachariah branch or anything like that? I mean, if he doesn't play, I would consider Branch. That okay. price is a little steep. Um, the Tosh thing is interesting too because I'm curious, like, how legitimate is the injury? Are they just holding it back to make to be sure? You know, it's been some time now since we got an update, so you just never know with college football, right? Obviously, the good news is you have options below them. Like, you could easily pivot to Rice if you wanted. Yeah, you could pivot to Branch if you wanted. So you do have some options even though it's the second to last slate game of the yeah. slate cool i'm most interested on the running back side um this kind of feels like a vandy situation where they play austin jones and marshawn lloyd kind of equally a good bit they kind of rotate yeah. in and out and then throughout the season they determine that main guy is that how you're reading the situation as well yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna be pretty even out of the gate um, and see if one really takes a, a, a chokehold on that position. But you know, early on, once once I heard the 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 news about Lloyd going to USC, I really I was excited because I thought that he was going to be that workhorse and really get the the lead role there. But everything that I've heard lately has kind of been like, hey, like pump the brakes a little bit on that. Austin Jones is still going to have a role for sure. So um, it's hard to say, you know, which one I like better uh, on this slate. I'd probably lean Jones just because he's more expensive and hopefully a little bit under owned in that way. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. I'm on, as everybody should know by now, I am definitely a team Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, this is a, like I said, it's a Vandy situation though. They're going to get a lot of run, even if you guess wrong and you get the second running back they're going to be up a good bit and they're going to run the ball in the second half uh, enough. And honestly, like this is one of those situations where they're each of them are very good for the competition they're facing Saturday. Yeah. So they don't need 20 touches to hit a nice yeah. number. Um, yeah. Both of them 
have shown in the past that they're very capable college football. I don't think uh, college footballers. I don't think Austin Jones is like any legitimately good. <laughs> I don't think he's like. I think he's just a dude. Yeah, but that's just kind of how college football works. Stanford, you know? good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, San Jose State side. We have a do or die in week zero. Um, yeah. We get Justin Lockhart, who a week or so ago was seen in a cast on his on one of his arms. Then he was not at practice on I think it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, I should say over the weekend where he was either not like not there or just didn't practice. Right. So I don't know, man, what kind of, maybe you need to ask Nate, like what kind of cast on an arm <laughs> situation would mean you're still fine. Like 10 days later, man, it's, it's not looking good. I, I was weary when I heard that he was in a cast just because like you said, I mean, it's literally two weeks before, before they start. Um, I'm I'm not expecting Lockhart to play uh, fully right now. I am building lineups, assuming he's out. And if you know we get to Thursday, Friday, and we start to hear that he is practicing, you know I'll, I'll start to toss him back in. But right now, uh, Charles Ross and, and Nick Nash appear to be the guys that are going. And um, I am, you know, I'm I'm interested in uh, Sam Olson, who is behind behind. I don't know if he's truly behind uh Mazzotti at the tight end spot it sounds like they're going to be pretty uh pretty strong running two tight end sets and utilizing both of them um but Olsen only 3100 we don't usually play tight ends uh at at you know CFB um just because they count against your wide receivers um but uh do you have any thoughts there Mazzotti definitely uh pretty aggressively priced as a, a tight end option yeah, it seems like Cordero likes his tight end. So I wonder if Lockhart is out, which that's how I would presume it's going to be, yeah. right? Like, I just it's so hard to think that he could come back like that um, with the cast. But it, it seems to really like tight ends. So, um, you know, that's where it comes into play. Mazzotti's aggressively priced, had some really nice games at certain stretches of the of the season last year. But Sam Olsen was supposed to be the guy before that. I think he got hurt, and it was kind of this hush-hush, nobody has any idea thing. And I think they're in an or situation. So you could run into a starting Sam Olsen as a tight end, yep. which is going to be a top-two target for him if Lockhart, if for uh, Cordero, if Lockhart's out. You know, I have a hard time going with Nick Nash as a legitimate option at receiver because he's a former quarterback. It just seems odd, but he has been impressive apparently in fall camp. Yeah. You, I don't know. Maybe another way for him to get points is it's a couple of trick plays, or maybe they use him around the goal line in a rushing situation. You just there's some different variables in play that could help him out. Um, Charles Ross seemed to be pretty solid in the games that he played last yeah. year before getting hurt. There's a ton of question marks because all the tight ends that are interesting were hurt at points last year. Yeah, uh, Ross was hurt. Nash is a quarterback. Lockhart's hurt. So this yeah. this has a feeling of San Jose State kind of falling on its face week zero. But hopefully yeah. we get something super competitive. So I joke like so we can watch the game cast and really enjoy it. You know, on ESPN. Well, so I mean, can watch it. I will say it's it's Pac-12 Network and it's the one uh, one you know college football channel that isn't on Hulu with all the add-ons and everything like that. So I'm I'm a little bummed, but I know there are some other means to uh to find some access to that game so i'm sure i'll, I'll find a stream somewhere 
Yeah, I, we don't condone that. Wink, wink. No, yeah. no, never. Um, do we real quick here? We're kind of getting a little close to the what we're hoping to be in terms of timing for this show. Yeah. Cordero, yay, nay, or too many question marks to really feel decent about him? He's in that group of six quarterbacks that I'd consider. Um, he's towards the bottom, though. Um, if USC's defense is not greatly improved or markedly improved, he there he he has an avenue to be a slight winning quarterback um and it wouldn't be a shock to see him up there um that being said i'm only likely playing him in those lineups that i've got caleb and it's going to be a, a game stack situation where if cordero is viable that means that caleb's playing for the majority all of the game so yeah i like that idea um i think it makes a lot of sense the nice thing about him too is that he runs a lot. I think I have him projected at like 39% of carries. So like, you know, he should see double digit rushing attempts easily. FIU and Louisiana Tech. This one's interesting. I think let's gloss over. I'll do FIU real quick. And I think Louisiana yeah. Tech's the more interesting piece. So Grayson James at quarterback. I don't know. Hard to really want him because he just really hasn't been all that great in his career. Yeah. Um, but looking at running back, we have Shamari Lawrence as the starter. He's priced aggressively, and it kind of seems like they're gonna not give him a heavy amount of usage. Has that been confirmed that he's he's the starter? Everything I've read is like that he is like the most impressive, and then there's also okay. like um Owens, Owens Patterson is, yeah. as like the next guy up type of thing. At yeah. receiver, the nice thing is we know who they are. The bad thing is yeah. <laughs> we know who the quarterback is. So yep. Chris Mitchell is supposedly like the big play type threat. Jalen Bracey is going to be your slot receiver and Dean Patterson. I think we all consider him the third option as an outside receiver starter. So those guys are priced at a point where, you know, none of these guys are really all that playable unless you're doing like a Louisiana tech game stack where you're trying to be a little bit different, but there's good reason to do a potential losing a tech stack because they have um, some really interesting options. And it all starts with the running back Marquise Crosby being out for the game. Yep. Thank you for that announcement, uh, losing attack. And then uh, Tyree Shelton, who I had no idea was at losing attack until like a week ago is questionable. Yep. Yep. So what do you think about the running back group here? Yeah, so we've got Charvis Thornton, and I'm—I don't have the other guy written down. I, I believe his first name first name is Keith, uh, if I remember the the blurb that I read. Up there's on. a Moody and there's a Willis that are like kind Willis, of the, yeah, maybe the next guy up after Charvis. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I don't think I'm really going to be playing running back for Louisiana Tech. Um, the interesting thing about the running back spot there is that they're probably going to get some decent pass work. Um, just considering, you know, it's a, a an air raid Mike Leach style offense that, um, you know, Sonny Company is going to have those those running backs who have the ability to catch balls and, and be the dump off options. Um, so I'm not I'm, I don't hate them, but they're not drastically cheap enough that I am trying to jam them into my lineup. Um, I, I love the double stack of Smoke Harris and Cyrus Allen. Um, I had wrote up in my, my stack article, it's no surprise, Bachmeyer, Allen and Harris is definitely going to be, um, one that I gravitate towards. Uh, they had some wild 
almost 50% of all targets that Louisiana Tech had last year went to their wide receiver one and their wide receiver two. Um, so Smoke Harris was the wide receiver two last year. He hopefully is going to inherit um, that wide receiver one role. And then Cyrus Allen is expected to kind of fill in where Harris was last year. Um, the interesting thing about Smoke Harris is that he uh, was doubled up on touchdowns. So he, he had five and I believe the wide receiver one had 10 last year. Um, so it does make you wonder, is Cyrus Allen going to be the guy who gets those, those red zone targets? Um, if he is, he immediately becomes just as valuable, if not more valuable than Smoke Harris, um, knowing that the target share is traditionally so close between the two. Um, Bachmeyer, I think he's totally competent and uh, able to uh, lead this offense to a point where we want to look at them week in and week out. Um, his year, not last year, but the year before last, he uh, ha- he led Boise State to, I believe they were 34th in the league in passing or in the nation in passing. Um, so he's he's all right. He's, he's like I said, he's competent. Um, but just in general, this passing attack is definitely going to be one that I, I want to push my chips in on. Yeah, I think you said it pretty well. You know, Smoke is going to be a good option. Cyrus Allen's going to be a good option for exactly the points that you made. You know, Allen is going to be your more of an upside play, a little riskier because there's a, he's a little less proven and haven't necessarily fully seen it consistently. But he should be the touchdown guy. Smoke Harris is like, I just looked, he's like 5'7", 180. Yeah. Like he's this short, yeah. thick little receiver that's very reliable. Um, but you know, that's a PPR guy. That's not, he's not going to get you touchdowns in the, in the red zone. So certainly like both of them, I think you make a good case for Hank. He's just a capable quarterback and a bad conference. That's going to allow for him to look pretty solid. He's a fifth year quarterback. Feels like he's been playing forever. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested to see what this offense looks like with Crosby at running back when he's healthy, because I think a lot of people were really excited about Crosby as a potential just CFF asset, generally speaking. So, um, yeah, I think those you nailed it there. Charvis Thornton is interesting. I'd like him enough to try it considering the matchup, but I, I I would love to see the depth chart here. This is one I definitely want to see. Okay. Are we, um, you know, are we starting a minimum price like Willis or Moody? Because that's a matchup that is worth taking a shot on in tournaments. Yeah, I think sure. we all assume that Charvis is going to be the guy, but he's priced up a little bit, so makes it a little bit more difficult. So, any final your, thoughts? Uh, I was uh, just going to say, if you want your minimum price to Louisiana Tech uh, dart throw, True uh, Edwards is is the guy. You knew I, I was going to let you leave without uh, without much. I know I should have seen that coming. Yeah, he is. He's the son of Troy Edwards, uh, Belinikoff winner. Louisiana Tech royalty. Um, he transferred in. I believe he was at uh, Hawaii uh, last year. So I don't know. He, Phil Steele says he's wide receiver three in this offense. I think it's worth uh, keeping an eye on. If he truly comes out on the depth chart and is wide receiver three and is going to be in most sets, you know, you can do a lot worse than minimum salary starting receiver in an air raid offense. Yeah. And I don't, I, if he is a starter, um, if we get the depth chart and he is a starter, I, you have to consider him because yeah. the matchup, Hank's capable quarterback, like we said, and it provides you a, a pivot option away from like Smoke and Allen. I think Smoke and Allen will both be pretty highly owned. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so maybe you pivot away from smoke and go with Edwards and go cheap and then can kind of spend up elsewhere at the other teams for a receiver. But any final slight thoughts? Not much. I mean, everything's pretty, uh, pretty cheap, um, very loose pricing, um, which, you know, depending on, on what you prefer, you might love it. You might hate it. Um, I'm not as, as into these, these less strict, uh, pricing slates, but you know, that kind of comes with the territory with week zero and, and not mm-hmm. knowing a whole bunch. And, uh, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited to get my sweat on, on, on Saturday and, and see what, see what this has to offer. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, this season from me, you're going to see a main slate breakdown on a couple shorter videos that we're going to play off of each other with some topics as well as just things to look out for some early in the week content to help kind of keep those juices flowing. Ethan, you're going to be doing a little bit more prop heavy content, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, so I'm going to have a, a prize picks article, um, and I'm hoping to do a uh, some short-form video content uh, to drop in. I believe it's going to be NIL only. Um, it's going to go over some of the, uh, the the prop picks, prize picks, whenever they drop, um, as well as uh, hopefully a little solo pod going over some of the um, pricing uh, when we get early pricing news from DraftKings early in the week, uh, just to kind of get the get the ball rolling, get like you said, get the juices flowing, um, and then also going to be dropping a, uh, a prize picks article and a, uh, a, a DraftKings stack article um, each week, along with if there's any midweek slates to to dive into and dissect, I'll, I'll uh, likely be jumping into those as well. Yeah, I think once Mac and um, is it Sunbelt that's doing it on Tuesday? Sunbelt, Sunbelt. Yeah, once the fun belt gets going in October, I think that'll be a good short video type uh, content is is maybe some different pricing things that we see. But glad everybody could hop on for the first ever campus to caching. Hope you guys have a great season. Enjoy the the week zero content um, as well as the week zero games. I have to go back to work, but also check out homefieldapparel.com where I'm going to use campus to Canton as the code to get 15% off on my order the Oregon stuff they have i just was looking at it over the weekend incredible by the way have you seen the Oregon yeah. stuff i haven't but i still haven't gotten any of the the most recent penn state drop either so i it's it's long Ooh, that gotta make some that, money this week <laughs> yeah that uh that Oregon stuff is just deadly the, they did an incredible job but anyways hope everybody had a good time enjoyed it we will catch you guys next week